Welcome to the Students of the Game podcast, hosted by Matthew DeMarty. Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Come on. Bring them out, bring them out. Hey. Bring them out, bring them out. Bring them out, bring them out. Hey. What's up, guys? Matthew here for another edition of the Students of the Game podcast. I hope you enjoyed a wild division series round because Matt, who will be the official co-host of Students of the Game podcast regarding analytical topics and topics pertaining to Major League Baseball, is back to discuss the American League and National League Championship Series. What's up, Matt? What's going on, guys? Happy to be back. Oh yeah, you're going to be back for much more. All right, let's get right into it because I don't know about you, but once like the calendar turns to October and playoff baseball starts, I I wake up every morning with like a different feeling in my heart, like uh, like I just need it to be nighttime already. I need to be like locked into a TV. I, it's just the best time of year. Yeah, um every every game matters so much. You, you just wake up with a different excitement. Um games all day long and just you see great baseball being played all the time oh yeah it's unbelievable all right so give me obviously the yankees getting eliminated last night is probably the biggest story right now but we'll we'll get to that in a minute first give me what was your biggest story of the division series well i'm still a little salty from last night with the yankees going down but i think that for me, the biggest story was the Astros just absolutely beating the crap out of the Indians. Um, <laughs> it was just a bloodbath. It was. Yeah. And, and, it, and just hitting-wise, it by pretty much every metric, they, they had a 1.037 team OPS, which is the best of all time, with the biggest OPS differential of all time in any playoff series for that matter. And wow. it wow. just, yeah, it was just an absolute trouncing by the, by the Astros. Yeah. I think I remember saying, uh, saying this, that they went undefeated against teams 500 or better in the regular season. I know a lot of people were taking the Indians as their sleeper pick, but I'm pretty happy that we both agreed early that we both saw the Astros as a clear favorite. And, uh, that's what happened. Obviously, the favorite doesn't always win in a small sample size theater, but in this case, the clear favorite definitely won. My biggest, I don't know if this is the biggest story. I think this is my own uh, bias getting in the way of what I like to see is bullpenning and the, obviously, Brewers, you saw it a lot. They they use their bullpen to get to the next round. Obviously, the Astros and Indians have tremendous starters. The Yankees... I guess failure to use their bullpen to the best of their ability. We'll call it that. And just the story and also Chris sale being used in the eighth inning, kind of Alex core being willing to do anything. I think a lot about like the opener and bullpenning revolution has been on the fact of the opener. But I think one thing that's really cool that you're going to start seeing in coming years is the role of a pitcher is just going to go away. There's not going to be starters. There's not going to be relievers. And you're going to see guys pretty much pitching as much as possible and no defined role to the to whatever they're for and do whatever their team needs them to do. And that was exactly what I saw when Chris Sale goes out in the eighth inning. Like how cool is that that 
Alex Cora and the Rec- Red Sox recognize how important it is to put the game away when you have the chance and just the unbelievable strategy. That was really cool. And just the overall use of bullpens. And that's only going to continue. And at least I think in the championship series and world series, especially if the Brewers continue to play deep into October, you're going to see a ton of bullpenning and a really happy Brian Kenny. Yeah. And on, on the topic of the Red Sox and Yankees usage of their bullpens, it, it pained me to love the move by core bringing in sale. It was Here's my best guy. We need a bridge. Good luck. Go hit him. First, on the other hand, you had Aaron Boone really struggle to manage his his bullpen and his starter workload. He tried to squeeze too much out of his quote-unquote starting pitchers as opposed to just saying, okay, here you go. You've run into trouble. We have the horses in our pen to just get through this ballgame, which is unfortunately what ended up being a, a huge part of why the Yankees faded so quickly in that series. Yeah, let's uh let's continue on that topic. So when when I was watching the game, one of the biggest takeaways I guess that I had was watching CC Sabathia in my mind watching him in the first inning, I was like, "Oh my god, it's happening. Get him out of there." Like like if the Yankees are going to win this game, they need to rely on their bullpen. And it, it was obviously too late. Um, it was too late when Severino was starting, but of course they gave up 16 runs, so I don't really think you need to rehash everything. They were going to lose that game regardless, probably. But last night I thought it, that it was awful, that immediately you could see that CC didn't really have it and you needed to go to, go to their bullpen. And it was really surprising to me because everybody knows how good the Yankees' bullpen is and the trend in baseball in recent years of bullpens win in October and them just not utilizing their bullpen to the best of their ability when they're also a forward-thinking and intelligent ball club. So that was really surprising to me. One of the things, just to, I guess, change topics a little bit, that I really liked was Clayton Kershaw going out there and throwing eight scoreless innings to kind of silence his doubters a little bit. Yeah, and with, with that being said... And with all the the focus on bullpenning, I think that one thing that we really, at least that I thought was really cool, was to still have guys go out there and and silence some critics and give their team length. You know, the performance by Kershaw going eight strong, Garrett Cole seven seven strong with twelve strikeouts, Nathan Avaldi coming out and shoving it for for seven innings against the Yankees. Seeing seeing that blend of just different ways to get through a ball game was something that I'll take with me from the divisional round or something that was really intriguing to watch. Yeah, that's a really good point. And this is something that I've always wanted to talk to either in a podcast or an article form that this is something where I kind of think that we need to go away from the sabermetrics is if you have a starting pitcher that is throwing really, really well and there is no immediate danger, there is no trouble, and there is a good lead, I am a fan of letting your starting pitcher throw more. I think it's more intriguing for fans. And one thing that I think that we lose in analytics, and I think you'd probably agree with me, is that sometimes we forget that these players are human beings and sometimes you need to put the numbers aside and keep them happy. And I think a really good way to keep your starters happy is if you have a situation, especially like your horse, Kershaw, Garrett Cole, but even a Nathan Avaldi, like I was absolutely loving it. If you have the opportunity to ride your starting pitcher and you give them the chance to throw seven, eight innings in a spectacular postseason game, 
that's something that players don't forget. And I think you'd agree with me that I think that's something, as much as I love bullpenning, if the situation calls for it, I still love and I am all for watching a starting pitcher go deep into a playoff game being absolutely lights out. Yeah, absolutely. And and as players, you you feed off that. As a pitcher, you build to your next start. You know, I'm sure Garrett Cole or Nathan Evaldi, for that matter, is going to take the mound if were to come in as a starter next year. As I don't think they've announced their plans yet, or or at coming out of the bullpen, just thinking, all right, I just went out there and, and threw seven strong against the Yankees' prolific offense. Like, let's go. I'm, yeah. Give me the ball. Yeah, definitely. It's uh. It's really cool for the fans to see, too. I didn't have the chance to watch Kershaw pitch, but I remember looking at my phone and seeing he had finished eight shutout. And I was sitting there hoping, like, oh, my God, I hope Kershaw throws a complete game shutout in the postseason. Like, that's that's an unbelievable achievement, and it just goes to the fact, like, also just changing the narrative around his postseason. But I think we've talked about the division series enough. Is there anything else you want to talk about there before we move on to the future of playoff baseball and the championship series? Um, no, just in a transition role, mm-hmm. one thing I did want to touch upon, and, and this I think will take us to the, the championship series, is just how badly the Rockies' offense performed. They, they were shut out in 27 of 28 total innings, and, and I think that's a testament to the Brewers' bullpen. And in, in, in that series, they threw 15.1 innings, struck out 22 batters, and gave up two runs, which were allowed by Jeffries in the blown save, which they ended, ultimately came back to win. But just that the lack of offense from the Rockies and, and then the complete dominance, not just by guys like Josh Hader or Jared Jeffries, but, but names like Renna Woodruff stepped up um, is, is what the – the Brewers, in my opinion, will carry with them to the next round. Yeah, definitely. Um, some really good points. Obviously, the Brewers' bullpen is absolutely dominant, and they're going to be a huge storyline uh, during the NLCS. But I really like what you brought up about the Rockies, and it reminded me of something that I wanted to say going into this. Is I saw a tweet from Mike Petriello saying that going into the offseason, the Rockies, what he thinks the Rockies' lineup should do, and it was positional it included bringing in a catcher, first base, second base, and outfielder. And just the Rockies' offense, I think for the past two years, sometimes performance can lie a little bit. But um, by Pythagorean uh, win-loss this year, they really weren't as good as their run differential, as their record might have suggested based off of their run differential. And I believe last year was the same instance that the Rockies should have some urgency going into the next offseason about um, about getting some offense. Like this is a team that plays in a very hitter friendly ballpark. So I think fans tend to look at the standard counting numbers and think, oh, the Rockies offense is this fine. Like, look how many guys are hitting 300. Look how many guys are hitting 20, 25 homers. But in reality, this is a team that has a lot of holes that could really do better improving. Um, I know I have by uh, weighted run uh, differential win percentage. They were ranked 12th in baseball this year, according to my power ranking. So this is a team that can definitely improve and do better in the offseason if they want to contend next year. But all right, let's move on to the championship series and give me any thoughts, any things you're looking forward to, and just overall evaluating the 
battle of two giants between the Red Sox and Astros in the Ameri- in the ALCS. Yeah, so let's start there. Um, the one, the Astros and the Red Sox are the two best teams in the American League. And one stat that I found just incredible, it, it blew my mind really, was so straight-up win-loss column. The Astros and Red Sox combined for 211 wins, which is the most by any two playoff teams of all time. Now, with that being said, with by the Pythagorean, Pythagorean win-loss, they have 212. And then, Matthew, by your metric of way-to-run differential, they also have 212 wins. So clearly... No matter how you slice it, this year the Astros and the Red Sox have been the two top teams in the American League. Yep, it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's really exciting. And just to build on, since you brought up uh, weighted run differential, the according to this, the Astros have a 55.5% chance of advancing to the World Series, and the Red Sox have a 44.5% chance. So even though the Red Sox obviously had the better win-loss record during the regular season, um, by this algorithm at least, the Astros should be the favorite. And I think most people can agree on that. But um, who do you got winning the series? I think it's going to be the Astros. Why? I, I, I think that they're, they're, not, they're starting pitching. Um, between, as you said, with the traditional starters, you got Verlander, Cole, Keuchel, Charlie Morton. But one thing that I love that the Astros seem to do well is how we talked about no roles. Is is they they're always that remaining starting pitchers seems to make a seamless transition to the bullpen for the playoffs. Whether it was McCullers last year, a, a Josh James type this year, and, and I think that. Being able to bridge that gap to Osuna this year mm-hmm. is what something that the Astros have turned into a real strength. Their bullpen to match their prolific offense, as we had touched upon, how badly they had beaten the Cleveland Indians. Yeah, definitely, I completely agree. I mean, just looking at Verlander's postseason numbers now in 140 innings, he has a 3.08, a 1.01 WHIP, 10.1 Ks per nine and 2.6 walks per nine. And those numbers are even better in the ALCS, where he is a 2.57 in 49 innings, and a .939 and 9.7 Ks per nine and 1.7 walks per nine is, I definitely think the Astros are gonna win this series. I'm gonna agree with you there. Um, I think the Red Sox are an incredible team. And obviously in a small sample size, when you have players um, like Mookie Betts, JD Martinez, and Chris Sales of the world on your team, Anything can happen, and you can easily win a series. But this Astros team is just so deep. You look at their lineup, and there are studs everywhere. There's no easy out. You look at their start at their starting rotation. Obviously, as we've touched upon, in a day and age when teams are turning to their bullpen more and more, they don't have to lean on their bullpen as much. But they have a luxury of having an absolutely incredibly deep bullpen with a ton of depth. So I'm looking forward to another Astros win. And I think this is going to build on Justin Verlander's continued postseason success and add to his legacy. Now let's move on to the NLCS. And I think this matchup for me as a fan, as a fan of more National League baseball, is very intriguing to me. And really, just really, really cool blend of baseball I think is going to be played. What are your thoughts on this series between the Brewers and Dodgers? Yeah, I can't agree with you more that it's it's just the same thing. Two of 
the best teams throughout the year in in their respective leagues have made it to the league championship series, which is which is an interesting concept. You know, there's there's so much talk about a team getting hot at the right time and making it through, but the fact that this year we have four of the top teams in their leagues and, and we really truly get to see who is the better team is, is something that's interesting. Anyways, um, yeah, I, I think that this does give two deep athletic teams again with the Dodgers. It, it seems like they have 30 guys on their roster at all times with the amount of options that Dave Roberts has. Um, and, and then with the Brewers, just how they're going to deploy their pitching staff is something that will be interesting to watch in a seven-game series. They did a lot of creative things in the a- or NLDS for sure. Yeah, definitely. The I mean, the Brewers to me are really intriguing. I think quickly before I go into this, I think we can both agree that the two best teams in the American League and the two best teams in the National League are facing off. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I just... Just wanted to get that off. Um, but yeah, I this is a really intriguing series. I don't think the Brewers get enough credit for how savvy they've been in building this team and to get to this point and what the front office has done to construct the major league roster because there have been a lot of people who have doubted the moves that they've made, including myself, and it seems like they've paid off. They play excellent defense. They hit the ball out of the ballpark, and... They're really innovative in how they deploy their pitching. Their their bullpen and their entire staff, their starting pitching has been a little bit better than people have said, has been downright disgusting. So it's going to be really interesting to see um, what kind of strategies they deploy in the NLCS. And also, on the other hand, looking at the Dodgers, I know that they were only a 92-win team this year, but by weighted run differential, they were a 102-win, 102, 102, no, sorry, 103-win team, which means that they had a lot of bad luck. And when you look at their roster, this is an absolutely loaded roster that looks like they should have had a similar season, at least in terms of their record that they had last year. And to me, they, they have a legitimate World Series chance. Uh, looking at weighted run differential, by that right now, the Dodgers have the second best odds of winning the World Series at 26.5%. And I think that's pretty accurate. Although, as I've said, I'm really intrigued by the Brewers. I love the way they use their pitching and they're super talented. I think the Dodgers have to be the heavy favorite in the uh, in this series. When you look at their entire, entire roster, you look at how deep they are with position players and how they can play the matchups and use the right platoons. They have an excellent starting staff and they've done well to improve their bullpen. So... I'm going to say the Dodgers are the favorite, and I'm taking them, but I'm also super, super intrigued to see how the Brewers' bullpen can kind of shut down the Dodgers' lineup and see that matchup. Yeah, I think I'm going to take the Brewers. I'm going to go with my pick from last week. But yep. as you had said, this this series and, and these two teams are, are really evenly matched. They, they both feel the baseball really well. They're top 10 in the league by defensive run save. Um, yeah, and Julio Chasin against right-handed lineups is the third best qualified pitcher. Allows a 234 opponent WOBA, and and the Dodgers do have the ability to play the platoon advantages, but a lot of their big boppers do come from the right side with Machado, Turner, Puig, Kemp, um, which will be an interesting trend to follow. 
Mm-hmm, definitely. I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, Chris Taylor for OPSing 1833 in the NLDS. Obviously, Chris, uh, we were lucky enough to do an interview with him. So shout out to him. But yeah, um, that's a really good point that the Brewers have the weapons to to attack and kind of mitigate some of the Dodgers righty bats. So let's give a quick um, prediction here. So for the entire league championship series, um, give me one, I guess, prediction you say something, not a prediction like a bold take, but more of more of something that you think is going to happen like MVP or anything? So, um, I think that the Brewers will use a bullpen game at one point in this series. And whether that is having two starters get through the first six innings or so, kind of have have a, a start. Mike, Mike Petriello wrote an article about how to the Brewers should deploy their bullpen or sorry their pitching staff this year. I, I think something that would be interesting is having like a, a Wade Miley type go three and then immediately bring another starter in there instead of a traditional bullpen game. But with with that being said, I I do think that there's on the other hand Manny Machado is just going to go off this series. You know, he, you got Machado. I got Machado. Yeah. All right. How many diggers? Ooh, um, I'm going to go three. A little bold prediction. Three dangers. So if you got, is this as NLCS MVP or just best player? You know what? I'll go, uh, I'll go NLCS MVP. I know I picked the Brewers, but I think Machado is going to have a great series. All right. I can take that. Um, yeah, I'm going to stick with you in the Dodgers. And I'm going to say that Clayton Kershaw is going to be the NLCS MVP, and he is going to be absolutely masterful. And now I'm anticipating in a few days witnessing Kershaw get shelled and my take be absolutely wrong. But yeah, I'm going to, I mean, he threw the ball extremely well in the NLDS. And I think, I just think that the way that the, that sample sizes work, that this guy is way too good and has had way too many opportunities to pitch in the postseason that it's it's time for him to have his moment and be absolutely dominant. And even when you look at his postseason numbers, I think there are some things that suggest that maybe he's had some bad luck. He's had a he still, although he's had a 408 ERA and 130 career playoff innings, his whip is just 105, which is just four hundredths above his career whip of 101. He is 9.8 Ks per nine in the playoffs, which is equal to his regular season numbers, and he has 2.6 um, walks per nine um, in the postseason, which I believe is also equal. Sorry, his career total is 2.3 walks per nine, so slightly higher in the postseason. The only big bugaboo he's had is really the home run ball, where he's allowed 1.2 homers per nine. He's only allowed 6.9 hits per nine which is pretty much in line with his regular season numbers of 6.7. So I think it's time that Kershaw breaks through and he has two dominating starts to push the Dodgers to the World Series. So that's what I got. Now that I said that, Machado's probably going to go like one for 20 this series, but we'll see what happens. Yep, that's that's how it always works, and that's why I absolutely hate giving my opinions is I always feel – that like when this time of year comes around, like everybody wants to talk about baseball and say like, oh, who do you think is going to win this series? Who do you think is going to win that? And I'm like, 
uh, I don't know, flip a coin and that's probably like as good as it'll be. But you know, we gotta we we gotta take some bold predictions. But well, that that is one the thing. Factor Matt Holiday did not work out so well. For yeah, him. yeah, Matt Holiday <laughs> didn't work out so well. But I think that's one thing that we should touch upon a little more is the randomness of the postseason and kind of the way that works. Because not in the sense of, you know, teams win and lose, but more the narratives that surround playoff games. I know we talked about the Yankees and Red Sox series, and obviously we're both from New York. You're a Yankee fan. You wake up in the morning, you turn on the TV, you listen to the radio while you're driving, and everyone, it's, it's bashing this, it's bashing that. And I wish, I just wish as a fan of the game that when a team gets eliminated, instead of having to point blame, instead of saying, hey, you know, the Red Sox were probably the better team, or you know what, in four games, you're going to lose three out of four sometimes. Like, it happens that base, that's baseball. I know it's a very emotional time, but I'm not a big fan of the narrative most of the time surrounding teams when they get eliminated. Yeah, that's a really good point. And if you turn on WFAN, it's definitely not that. So yeah. that, is, that is a good point. And, you know, we, we still, even though the Yankees are eliminated, we have the four best teams in baseball still left to play. Yep, it's it's still really fun to focus on who is going to play. Um, I think there was something, I've seen a ton of like fire boon stuff and like get rid of Boone. I'm like this. This team won a hundred games this year, and then lost to a hundred and eight win team. Like it. It should be easier to just take a step back and say, okay, you know what? Well, we got a lot of money to spend. There's really good free agents. Let's focus on next year. And it just things just didn't go our way. But that's that's baseball, and that's how things are reported. And it's not a story if you use math to say oh you know that happens but all right now i want to introduce a uh, different segment to finish things off so this week we asked on instagram to ask people if they had any questions for us to answer in this podcast and we'll get to them so i'll start with the first question matt from abstract 19 underscore is it better to be hot or good in the playoffs wow well I think that obviously it's better to be hot and good in the playoffs, mm-hmm. but just with the way we have seen things play out, it you play so many games in so little days that I think it's better to be hot. Um, for example, the Milwaukee Brewers, they going back to the regular season, they've won eleven straight of eleven straight games, and they they are red hot. They rolled over the Rockies, and now they're facing a very formidable opponent in the Dodgers who are also hot, but carrying that momentum over of ha- and sweeping that, that division series and having a couple extra days to recoup, I, I do think that it's better to be hot, but that's a really great question. Okay. I'm going to have to disagree with you and say good just because the, uh, the sabermetrician in me uh, is saying there's no such thing as hot streaks, but I'm also no fun. So, all right, next question uh, from AK Herrera 7 even though the Stro Show are far more superior, in your opinion, uh, which ALCS team uh, has a stronger lineup? The Astros. Yeah, that's definitely a Stros fan. Give, give me your give me your position by position. Who you got? All right, so third base, Fragman. Yep. Short shortstop. I feel like is kind of a toss up. 
Um, just yeah. with the way, with the way Correa has been coming back from injury, um, I I just I think Bogart. I, it's pretty even at shortstop right now. What what do you think about short? You know, I've I've heard this a few times, and I agree with you. On any other year, I would say Carlos Correa, but right now, it's it's 2018. Going off of like this year, it's kind of hard not to go Xander. But then again, like it's seven games, and all of a sudden you can see Carlos Correa OPS 1500 in six games, hit three bombs, and be the MVP of the series. So you do never know, but I'd take Xander. And then kind of moving along here i i do think that they are very even in a lot of positions yeah but i i think the slight edge has to go to the astros mm-hmm. but with with that being said you know in the past series alex cora was able to mix and match and, and plug and play guys you know brock brock holt coming in and just going nuts. Granted, he did it a home run off the Yankees' backup catcher. He did hit for the cycle, though, which I know doesn't mean much, but it, in terms of how he's swinging it, it's it's pretty cool. You know, Brock Holt comes in, swings it well. Christian Vasquez starts, hits what could potentially have been the deciding factor in that game because they won by one run with the Yankees' stadium special. So <laughs> I, I think that Cora's ability to really maximize – yeah, you can still not over that one. But I think Core's ability to maximize the talent on his roster is something that gives the Red Sox, which which AJ Hinch is great at too, but something that the Red Sox definitely play to their strengths for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it is a tough question. Um, I know by war the Red Sox are higher than the Astros this year. But I do believe the Astros' overall hitting in terms of weighted runs created was slightly higher. I'm just getting those numbers up. No, they were actually the same. I may take the Red Sox, but I don't know. The names on the I think the names on the Reds on the Astros, I think I trust them a little more. Yeah. But I mean, these are two unbelievable lineups. So that's a really good question. Um, we got another one from Mateo Fio. What is that? Mateo Fio. Yeah, Mateo Fio 6 said, what would have to happen for the Brewers to beat the Astros if they met in the World Series? I think that for that to happen, um, the Brewers' bullpen would just have to be the dominant force that it has been so far in these playoffs. They would have to get some length out of their starting pitching staff. And this, this is another great question. Obviously, the first answer is that both teams have to get there. But for that to happen, I think that it comes down to the Brewers' bullpen being dominant and not getting worn out over the seven-game series, getting a little length from their starting pitchers, and then which they have had before in the playoffs is getting contributions from guys that may not be front-page names like Christian Yelich, um, Lorenzo Cain, which uh, Keon Brox and Orlando Arcia both had home runs. Eric Kraft came out of nowhere and had a, had a great series. So getting contributions from, from where you wouldn't expect it and their bullpen and starting pitching, pitching like they can, is what it would take, in my opinion, for the Brewers to beat the Astros. Yeah, definitely. Um, if the Brewers and the Astros, I have another question for you. If the Brewers and Astros is the eventual World Series matchup, for Hayter, Knable, and Jeffries, 
Where would you set the over under on how many innings they could potentially pitch in the seven in a seven game series? And which would you take the over and under? I was thinking like twenty five. Twenty five between the three of them, and so that's seven games. Yeah, if there's sixty three innings, twenty five innings between them, that's almost forty. That's a right around forty percent of innings. Do you think that's a little much? Or because that's what I, I think that they would live and die by those guys, but they but having good starting pitching would definitely really help and take some of the slack off them. So I do like your answer a lot there. Um, we had a question from Harley Peace asking how many dingers will JD hit? Zero. He's gonna strike out every at bat. Oh kidding. boo! Come on, give us a non-zero answer. Okay, so. In, in the ALDS, I think he'll get two. Two? I, I think he'll get two. That's a that's a pretty safe number. Played around 155, 160 games, 43 bombs. Two's a pretty good number. All right, we got one last question, and you're going to absolutely love this. This is from Noswad Wordna. What an interesting name, Noswad Wordna. <laughs> did, did Aaron Judge's boombox curse the Yankees? <laughs> yeah. I, I think in a series like that, you don't ever want to give a team extra motivation. You do, and maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but it, it was funny. It was, it was a good troll, tip the cap to that. But just you, you don't want to give a team, as, especially as good as the Red Sox, you don't want to give them extra motivation and give them one more reason to, to beat you and to rub it in your face like they did after they had won when they sang or played New York, New York, popping champagne in Yankee Stadium. So I don't know about curse the Yankees, but it it didn't help, that's for sure. Yeah. You win the series. Yeah, yeah. I like I, I do understand the let's not give bulletin board material. But I don't I don't think it'll be a curse. I think I think there's uh we'll see the Yankees right back in October again next year but all right that's uh that's all the questions we got so quickly before we wrap things up i know you said the brewers and astros how many games is each series gonna go astros red sox just has to go seven games has to i i just think it has to those teams are too good they're too evenly matched and as a fan <laughs> if it could go nine i'd love to see it but yeah so yeah. I, I think seven on that side and and with the with the Dodgers Brewers series, I think one team is going to blink, and I, I still think it'll be a long series. But I think that I want to say six. Six. I got a feeling one team is going to is going to stutter right around the middle, maybe game three, four, drop two in a row. So that that's what I'm thinking. What do, what do you got on those two? All right, I'll go Astros and Red Sox in six, just because. Um, I feel like we'd be we'd be getting spoiled if we got them seven. I really hope we get we get seven, but you know we can't always get what we want. So I'll be a pessimist and say that that series will go six. And with the Dodgers and Brewers, I'm gonna say that's gonna go five games. I think the Dodgers take care of business and they head right to the World Series. But uh, yeah, that's what we got for the championship series. You got any closing thoughts? I think those. Twitter or Twitter Instagram questions were awesome. Keep them coming. That was, that was a lot of fun. That uh 
that was a lot of fun. Well, Matt, uh, thanks for coming on. Um, before we sign off, just a reminder, if you enjoy listening to the Students of the Game podcast, please feel free to subscribe. And if you really like us, please give us a rating. That would be awesome. We would really appreciate it. And also, if you are a player looking to enhance your movement quality and mobility, um, Student of the Game co-founder Jonathan DeMarty um, is selling customized mobility programs for you to help increase your movement quality, to help you move better in the field, on the mound, in the box, and become a healthier player and a healthier thrower. So just reminding you about that. But hey, Matt, thanks for coming on, and uh, let's enjoy some good baseball. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right, guys. We'll see you next time for the World Series preview.